customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. Welcome to Until Saturday, one of my favorite shows of the week. It is the Picks Show, where we get to speculate, and speculation is always more fun than reaction. I don't know, depending on what you're reacting to. I am joined uh, by two of my esteemed colleagues, David Ubbin, of course, who's here all the time, and a very special guest who uh, has a lot of tea for us, I think, Mitch Sherman, <laughs> our Nebraska beat writer who, you know, I hope arms are pretty... Uh, you know, fresh because we've got to a, a lot to unpack here. Uh, Mitch, how are you doing? Mitch is gone. Okay. David, how are you doing? <laughs> I am doing fantastic. I'm looking forward to Mitch joining us uh, in Boulder this week. It's going to be quite a weekend. Um, you know, there, there's th in general, this is a big slate of games, Ari. And I think mm -hmm. the most interesting thing about this, a lot of home dogs, and oh, two, yeah. a lot of home dogs and two, a lot of teams that are making you decide what what's correct, what you thought of me before the season or what you saw from me in week one. And so week two is always interesting. And this slate particularly is going to be. It's, it's, this was the week that we circled in July. You know, mm -hmm. as we were looking at the games, there are so many good games, uh, so many influential games uh, that I think is going to continue to reveal um, more information as we're trying to figure out who these teams are while Mitch is trying to figure out where he is and what he's doing. <laughs> um, I'm going to go through the, the normal spiel. Um, I didn't introduce myself. I'm Ari Wasserman. Uh, thank you so much for tuning into the latest edition of until Saturday, obviously be sure to follow the podcast on Apple or wherever you listen to podcasts, drop us a five-star review. And if you have a question, uh, please leave it with a review. And if it's a five-star, we will answer it on the show. And also if you are, Watching us live on YouTube, we appreciate that. We love the interaction. But if you are listening to this in, in podcast form, please go to the YouTube or to the show's description for the YouTube link. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, we will be live every Thursday doing picks every Saturday night after the games, reacting to what happened on Saturday. And then, of course, what's becoming, I think, a fan favorite, Dave, um, Sunday sound off show where we have your voicemails and we and are enjoying. Favorite. Yeah, I, I love it. I enjoyed it. Um, 
Please leave a voicemail or text us on the Until uh, Saturday line at 316-462-9852. You can text or call that number. But if you call and leave a voicemail, we're probably more likely to use it because we want your voices um, to be a part of the show. We want to hear what you think. We want to feel your passion. And I got to tell you, Dave, I don't know if we can top the first two that we got last week. That was incredible. Between uh, 9 a.m. Colorado fan at Hooters ordering coffee to the Keith Jackson uh, impersonation, I... I'm very excited for what we have uh, for, for this week's Sunday Sound Off. And Mitch is back with us. I was worried. Mitch is coming to us from the Memorial Stadium press box, and there's an unmanned carpet cleaner roaming around the press box. I was worried that the AI had, had come back and Skynet had activated, and we had we had lost Mitch. <laughs> it does seem – it's good to be with you. It, it I, I attempted to disable the unmanned carpet cleaner, and there was a <laughs> moment of, of thought that it was seeking revenge on me, but – that's not what happened. I'm here. It was just technical difficulties on my on my uh, my end. Well, Mitch, we're really happy to have you here. We have a lot to unpack. I think with Nebraska, and I think, of course, that obviously bleeds into the the soup du jour of the day, which is uh, uh, more Colorado discussion. But of course, I just wanted to, to uh, repeat that line. Please call. Uh, really, really enjoying it. Three one six four six two nine eight five two, and also sign up for the Until Saturday newsletter, where you can get your daily fill of college football news right into your inbox. The links to that, of course, are also in the show's description, and you don't have to be signed up for The Athletic to get that newsletter. And then, of course, lastly, all the lines that we are going to get to today, uh, the gambling lines are going to be presented by BetMGM, who we really appreciate. So, guys, uh, why don't we just get into the to the main Let's topic here? <clears throat> I, you know, we, there was a chance that if Colorado got would have gotten its doors blown off last week, that this might not have been the must-watch game, uh, but now I see that the spread has moved a half a point up to three and a half. Colorado's home opener after a resounding win over TCU on the road last week against Nebraska, who uh, looked a little Scott Frosty to me last week, uh, a little bit at the end, not the whole game at the end. <laughs> uh, Mitch, let's just start with you because I think there are some people who just are, you know, fatigued a little bit. There's a, there's a loud minority who's fatigued about Colorado. Uh, I am really interested to sink my teeth into the Nebraska side of this stuff. Uh, what was your takeaway and is it annoying to hear Scott Frost comparisons, or is that on base in your mind? Not from you, no. Um, okay. From some but others, from other yeah. It, yeah. It, yeah, it might be annoying if I heard it from some other people. But it wasn't just the end of the game, Ari. It was also the end of the first half. And Nebraska had the ball at the one-yard line in the final 12 seconds of the first half and was unable not just to punch in a touchdown, but it was unable to score. And, and that was a sign of things that came at the end of the game. So both halves, Nebraska commits three turnovers in the final five minutes of the two of them together. So yes, that is kind of Scott Frostish, where Nebraska devised ways, new ways, unimaginable ways to continue to lose games. And for Matt Rule, the new coach, this is that was game one. For the fans and, the, and, and some of the players, mm-hmm. this was like game 200. So mm-hmm. people have been through this and, and speaking of fatigue, there's fatigue around that way of losing for Nebraska. So it's been kind of a long week uh, here at Memorial Stadium. I think people are, are eager to get back out on the road and into another football playing environment Saturday in Boulder. Yeah, you- I, I think my biggest question with, with Nebraska is you, you saw what they did to TCU. Mitch, do they have the speed to keep up with Colorado on the outside? Defensively, yes. I mean, I don't know that anybody is is going to keep up 
um, is going to keep up with all of Colorado's weapons. Um, you know, even some of the better teams on on Colorado's schedule, um, are, I think, are going to have a difficult time. Uh, you know, in in certain situations with that offense, but they'll be able to outscore the Buffs. I would think when you look at the better team for Nebraska, it's not it's not going to be a matter of trying to outscore Colorado. I mean, scoring more points, yes, but not getting into into a scoring match. Defensively, that is the defense is is the strength for Nebraska, and you saw uh, Nebraska holding Minnesota, which has some weapons at the receiver and tight end spot, and Nebraska held them to three points until the final five minutes of the game. You know, it's a sixty minute game. Minnesota scored 13 points. You know, Travis Hunter is better than the the offensive weapons that, that Minnesota have. But I think Nebraska can hold up defensively for the most part um, uh, against the Buffs. Uh, the secondary is experienced, and, and and they should be able to get a pass rush, I would expect, against, you know, what, what may not be the strength for Colorado in the trenches uh, on the offensive side. Here's what I'm thinking, guys. Last week, Nebraska, you know, showed some concerning things, right? I'm not sure how high you are on Jeff Sims after that performance. I'm not sure how high we are on Nebraska's ability to win a close game and in a three and a half point spread, that isn't, mm-hmm. you know, indication that they think that this is going to be close. Um, I think that line is super, super fishy. I think there are a lot of people out there uh, that are really, really high on Colorado after what they saw from Travis Hunter and Shadur Sanders last week. And I think there are a lot of people who are down on Nebraska, given the way that they lost that game. Um, and this line has not moved all week. And I think that the the inkling for a lot of people is going to be to bet into Colorado because of the information that we have you know, at hand. But I've got two observations here that I wanted to make, and then I'll throw it to you, Dave. Um, one, Colorado now has tape. Mm-hmm. And what their plan is, is a little bit more clear. you know. And me might have been able to put two and two together based on who they have what their weaknesses you know, are offensively, maybe on the offensive line and stuff, uh, the way they were going to spread it out a little bit. But Colorado, Colorado has tape out there now, so there's something to scheme and to prepare for. And then two, I think that you know when we're looking at the Nebraska defense, if their experience is on the secondary, I think that they're going to be able to uh, you know, prepare for what Colorado throws at them. And then offensively, I think they're going to be able to run the ball and – I think they're going to be able to shorten the game with their possessions. So, you know, I know we're we're kind of getting into the week by week Colorado breakdown of it, but I find myself really gravitating toward the Nebraska side of this thing, and I would not be shocked if Nebraska won the game. So you're telling me you don't believe Ari? That's what you're telling me right now. Well, I guess if I had to, I'm not going to covering the game, so I don't have to get into a verbal <laughs> uh, altercation with Colorado's coach after it's over with. But I do think that I, I don't know. I wrote a column on Thursday about how I believe that Colorado has proof of concept now, and that'll help them uh, continue to accumulate talent at a more quick level because of that proof of concept. That doesn't mean that I think Nebraska is going to get blown out or that Colorado is going undefeated for the rest of the year. I still think that we have to, to figure out and analyze exactly what we think this Colorado team is. And it was an exciting win in week one. They beat TCU on the road, but are they just automatic bet against a team that has some athletes and, you know, is bigger potentially up front than TCU was and, you know, has those athletes or um, are we at a position too where it's like, this is still a team that had a three and a half over under for their win total. Like, where are you at on this, Dave? Uh, I'm unsure. I, I think there's just, again, 
let's not lose sight of the fact that this is still an unprecedented experiment. Even though Dion wants to say we did this all at Jackson State, all of this stuff. TCU, I mean, we spent a lot of time around TCU Friday. They they weren't really sure what they were going to get. You know, they looked at a lot of Kent State. They looked at a lot of Alabama film. Um, but they really weren't sure. They looked at some Jackson State. They, they, they really weren't sure what they were going to get. So that's a factor. Managing a locker room, especially with a bunch of guys that came in the summer, is also, can you stay steady Eddie? Are you going to have highs and lows and all that stuff? And Dion said this week, you know, hey, I want you guys to read your press clippings if you balled out, but not everything they say is true. And like I've been doing all offseason, Ari, I watched a lot of the Colorado YouTube content. And Dion's been pretty consistent this week in that, hey, last week we did what we were supposed to do. We did what we expected to do, but you haven't done anything. Like, there was definitely some emotional scenes and some celebration. But I think they recognize, like, <clears throat> you know, this the, the, the TCU game's not going to define their season. So I, this is a tough Look, I'm going to lean Colorado here. I'm going to say I think Colorado gets it done just because I think it's possible we're still underrating Colorado. I think they can still play a little bit better. They seem to believe so. And TCU played really poorly. I think TCU did a lot of things to Colorado that Michigan did to them in the semifinal. Just weird mistakes and all that stuff. But I think TCU's still a really good team. I don't think Nebraska's a very good team. I think that's part of this as well. So... You know, I, I I'm not sure they're gonna be able to score enough to keep up here. I, I like Nebraska. Uh, I mean, I like I like Colorado. Um, you know, and the points here too. We just got a we just got a comment here that said might think I'm nuts after Nebraska hit a grand total of ten last week, but I like the over. And I was gonna say I think I love the under. Um, I think that Nebraska's whole plan here should be, or probably is. Mitch, you can help me out with this. Um, would be to shorten the game to let that clock run. Uh, to try to keep Colorado's offense off the field. Um, and then the other question, too, is, you know, we know what Colorado did last week, but they also turned the uh, opposition over inside the 10, I think, twice, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. At least once. Uh, Travis one a Hunter, terrible throw, one a yeah, otherworldly, yeah. one of the best interceptions I've ever seen. So, so the other thing, too, is how many snaps can this human being play if you're we're talking about Travis Hunter here? And, like, I know it's only week two, so it might be a lot, but eventually this is going to have to come down. And is this a I game? I don't know, Ari. I really don't you know. Think about he's going to play 120 snaps a game all year? <clears throat> he's not playing a high contact position, right? You're playing corner, and it's a shape thing. And he's been doing this forever, man. I his senior year, I went, I went out to Georgia and, and we did a Travis Hunter profile. If you haven't read that at the Athletic? You should read that. I don't think we got into a lot of this in the story, but I spent quite a while with a lot of their high school staff down there in Collins Hill. And the first two years that he played, he just never left the field. And he missed almost no time. His senior year, they were really good. So he played a little bit less. They took him off the field a little bit. Colorado needs him. He's their best player on offense. He's their best player on defense. So if he's playing, you know, running back and linebacker, I think that's different than playing corner and receiver. He's not taking a ton of hits. And that's where your risk comes in. If you can do the running, which it seems like he can, I you know I don't know that he's gonna play 130 snaps every single game, but in week you know in week two against Nebraska I, I think I think he can keep this going for at least another week certainly I think quite a bit longer, and then maybe if you're up big against Colorado State you 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 dial it back a little bit but you know I, I if he doesn't play at least 120 snaps this week I would be kind of surprised. What's interesting? Mitch, what's, yeah. What's ahead. interesting yeah, about? Ahead. Yeah. What's interesting? Um, 
in that conversation um, is that Nebraska is going to try to shorten this game, as you mentioned, Ari. Mm-hmm. And Nebraska had just Nebraska was able to snap the ball just 59 times last week against Minnesota, in part because it turned it over four times and because it couldn't sustain drives. It struggled on third down in the first half, had just three first half possessions. So it may be playing into Hunter's hands a bit and that there won't be as many snaps snaps in this game. There, he's not going to be able to play most likely 130 snaps in the Nebraska game because it's going to be a different tempo than what mm-hmm. Colorado saw mm-hmm. against TCU where both teams were trying to push the pace. Nebraska is going to slow the pace down. There may only be 115 snaps or so total in this game or 120 snaps in this game. And, and actually, if that happens, it works into Nebraska's favor. But I'm with you, David. I don't think that this week it's going to necessarily be a huge is- issue for Hunter unless the altitude plays into it. But, you know, he's been at CU for for several months. So I, I think he'll be okay there. Later in the season, you get into week nine, week 10, you continue to ask a guy to play over 100 snaps in a game. It could start to become an issue then. But second game of the year, I think he'll be fine. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Okay, Mitch, I want to ask you, what's your thought process on Sims um, after one game yeah. seeing him there? And then we'll get into our picks. Yeah, really really disappointing. He, he stared down his receiver's. He didn't look at all like the quarterback, Jeff Sims, the Georgia Tech transfer that the Nebraska coaches spoke about in the offseason. But then you have to recognize that it's a small sample size and he's dealing with the receiving core at Nebraska. And this isn't going to change over the course of the season that is 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 athletically compromised. Um, Nebraska has had massive attrition at the receiver position. It's a group that is is in transition. They have freshmen in the program who are the future of this position that have Track speed, the kind of guys that Matt Rule thrives in, in, in working at that receiver position, but they're not ready yet. So they're going with for a former walk-on who caught the only touchdown pass. Now, he's a good player. Um, they're going with the uh, an older player. Um, 
you know, transfer from Texas uh, and Marcus Washington, who was suspended for the first half of that game. Nebraska lost one of its best receivers, Isaiah Garcia Castaneda, to an ACL injury in the Minnesota game, so he's unavailable. These receivers, this is this is a um, this is a problem for Nebraska to run out to Colorado with the, with the group of receivers that it has on the field and, and expects to have on the field Saturday. So that impacts the quarterback who Jeff Sims is. All that said, he was not good. Uh, he, he didn't show the kind of arm and the, and the kind of field awareness that Nebraska is going to need him to show. So, you know, we'll take this as a one game thing as, as I assess this and, and, and maybe he looks different on, on Saturday, but at times in his Georgia tech career, this is the guy who he's been too prone to turnovers. He dealt with a lot of injuries. So there's some red flags there about what Nebraska has at the QB spot moving ahead. So, Mitch, break down the game for me. Who do you like? Yeah, I say all that, and and I think that sometimes we make, and in this case, I think in both of the games that these two teams played, we overreact to week one. I think we overreact to the way that the game finished for Nebraska and that over the course of, of 60 minutes, Nebraska did, for the most part, what Matt Rule wanted Nebraska to do. And I think we're overreacting to what happened in, in Fort Worth with Colorado. I mean, that, they're, a, they're a better team than people gave them credit for, than I gave them credit for at the start of the year. But I don't think they can, they can, they can execute that well week in and week out. I think some things are going to go wrong for Colorado in this game that didn't go wrong in the first game. I think some things will probably go right in crucial situations for Nebraska that didn't go right. And I think those three and a half points um, are awfully enticing. You know, you mentioned that this is a fishy line and it's interesting um, in that I think there there seems to be an, the, the people who set these lines, they're, they're trying to get the bets on Colorado. They're trying to get mm-hmm. more money on Colorado because they, you know, they understand the advanced metrics that go against what the common sense tells us about how we see these two teams. Mm-hmm. The common sense tells us when you watch them that Colorado is is ready to just run over Nebraska or throw mm-hmm. the ball all over Nebraska. And you know, I don't think the 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 um, you know, the way that these two teams play, the way that they play at the line of scrimmage, some of the things that are inside the box score you know, I don't think it necessarily says that. So I do like Nebraska in this game to cover the three and a half. That was really well said. I I have no notes. Uh, I think I am on Nebraska here too, bud. So Dave, uh, do us a favor and bring Colorado back around for us. Come on. <laughs> we'll see. I'll be there chronicling it. Um, I hope we can get um, Max to be yelled at by, uh, by Dion. We'll, we'll see. I'll fantastic. do everything I can. I'll do everything I can to make sure that Max is in the firing line after whatever happens. But you know, I think one of our commenters called it a, a really high variance game. I think that's true. Uh, any game where I could see either team winning by 10, 20 points is interesting. I, I you know, I, I certainly could see Nebraska winning by double digits. I could see Colorado running away with this game, and those are entertaining football games. I think we're going to get one in Boulder. But let's move on. Uh, well, who's your pick? The rest of the sl- oh, I got. I'm taking Colorado. I'm going with the bus. Uh, yeah, I, I think, think that extra half a point there that wasn't there all week is kind of talking dirty to me right now. It'll eh, <laughs> be all right. I ultimately, I, I just because Nebra- I, if Nebraska does lose, it will be by two, like every yes. other game. <laughs> I just I don't. don't I'm okay. very skeptical in, in Nebraska's ability to move the ball consistently, even as porous as Colorado's defense looked against TCU. Uh, I, I just, 
I didn't like what I saw from Jeff Sims, and I didn't like what I saw from the rest of their offense uh, execution wise. So I think I Nebraska like the under too. with its backs. Yeah, I think the Nebraska running backs will be able to run the ball, but they have to give it to them, and they didn't do it enough in game one. Mm-hmm. I see like a potentially like a twenty four seventeen type situation here. Maybe. Uh, maybe that's a little bit lower. I think that's I'd like the under on this one too. Um, okay, next game, guys. You ready to go? Uh, yes. Notre Dame minus seven and a half at NC State. Who wants to go first? I'm going to be. I think I'm falling into a trap, Ari. Mm-hmm. And what's that? I thinking th- Notre think, Dame's actually good? I think Notre Dame is actually good. I'm in the same I, trap. I, 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 th- I think I buy Notre Dame playing really strong on the lines. I did not love what I saw from NC State in week one. Uh, just, you know, they, they tore through him on their, on that first drive, uh, with Brandon Armstrong who scored and then they just seemed like they shut it down. I don't know, but I, I think Notre Dame can, can win this game rather convincingly, uh, because the way they play on the lines. And then of course, you know, Sam Hartman, but if Notre Dame's going to play, uh, on the offensive and the defensive line, the way that they've played the first two weeks, they're going to be a problem for a lot of teams. And when you get into that playoff caliber team, I don't know that I buy, how good or how good Notre Dame can stack up against the, you know, Alabama's, Georgia's, um, you know, if they get in those games. But against teams like NC State, even on the road, I'm buying. I'm buying. I like Notre Dame here. Yeah, I've got a moment of pause just because I think I think NC State is a little undervalued. I think people have a hard time recognizing that they've been as consistent as they have the last mm-hmm. few years. And now they've got Brennan Armstrong at quarterback, the Virginia transfer who I think is 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 going to be effective there, but I, I'm with you, Dave, in in believing what I see from Notre Dame these first couple games with with yeah. Hartman 90, 98 to six the score in the first two. Um, I like I like the Irish um, to uh, to cover. First of all, I think it's pretty great that Sam Hartman is just being what he is, you know, 14 to 17 for almost 200 yards, two touchdowns last week. Like as he settles in, I don't know how much you can take from, from beating Tennessee state, but you know, the thing that I think is interesting here is that Notre Dame has one of the best running backs in college football. And I don't know if people like give them any credit for that. Mm -hmm. Uh, They run the ball very effectively. I think that their lines, the way that you guys put it um, are going to be the difference in this game. And, you know, I don't know if I love the, any individual Notre Dame receiver in terms of him being like a, a Marvin Harrison type player or whatever to kind of open that up. But, you know, last week I think they had four receivers who had more than 40 yards receiving and uh, six receivers over 30 yards. Like they spread the ball around pretty good. And I think that that's probably more of a byproduct of Sam Hartman's efficiency. Um, I like Notre Dame uh, to cover this game. And I, I think that they are a little bit better than people are giving them credit for. And I also think too, that just, you know, having uh, Freeman getting the ball rolling there is just a fun storyline a little bit for for the sport. So I'm going to go Notre Dame, too. I'm in the same trap. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, next game. Before we get to the next game, I, I think yeah. the thing that, that I have come away with looking at Notre Dame is I think both of these things can be true and <clears throat> that they haven't played anyone that impresses you between Navy and Tennessee State. But good teams take care of business and they make it look really, mm-hmm. really easy. While they're yeah. doing it, and it's been it's been easy for Notre Dame. They just look like they're running half speed and not even flirting with a close game. So, shout out to the Irish. Yeah. So here's the thing: we have this uh, list here that's got a rundown of the ten games we're going to pick. 
Uh, I'm going to go a little bit out of order. Let's just get into the good one here. Uh, All right. I'm going. I got to tell you, I've traveled to a lot of games in my career, and I don't think I've ever been. Well, that's not true. I've been excited, but I am very, very excited to go to Tuscaloosa this weekend. And to see Alabama versus Texas, obviously, this is a high stakes game for me personally and my reputation. Uh, (laughs) I really hope that Alabama doesn't come out and uh, win by 30, which some people think is going to happen. But also, too, at least if that does happen, Dave, then you've got a little cake on your face, too, with your Alabama criticism over the offseason. So we'll see. This to me is it's a very interesting game. I think it's going to be a revelatory game in terms of how good is Alabama actually going to be this year in a season in which we have some doubts. And then also, too, is Texas athletically up to the challenge to play in these games and compete in these games? They were last year. Um, I have them in my my Final Four making the playoff this year. I think they could lose a close game in this game and still be alive for that conversation. But I think we're going to learn whether or not Texas is up to task in this game. Yeah. Because Alabama, there's gonna, it's, it's on the road, and Alabama, who almost lost in uh, Austin last year, knows that, you know what's the score here. Um and I think both teams are going to be giving it their best shot. So I am very, very excited to go and experience Tuscaloosa at its best, but also excited to see if Texas, with all the analysis and all the depth chart discussion and the 247 po- composite rankings and all the stuff that we talk about, if they're actually that. So, Mitch, what is your thought process on this game as you look at it? Well, well first of all, I'm excited for you that you get to be at Bryant-Denny Stadium. And I'm excited for Quinn Ewers that he gets a chance to come back after the way that went last year and play against Alabama. That was, you know, in watching that game, that was that was tough. The, the way he started that game to then to then go out and for Texas to still hang around, um, you know. So I think he's he's got to be highly motivated. Um, I like Bama to win. I don't have any questions about that. Got some questions about the about the number, but being in Tuscaloosa, I think Alabama will outscore Texas. I could see a lot of points being on the on the board on, on Saturday in Tuscaloosa. I like Alabama to win and to cover. No, no. <laughs> are you doing it? Okay, Dave, hit him. Listen, hit me with been, it. We've been, we've, what are we've you? Been I honestly don't know what you're going to do because you were down on Texas being a playoff team, and you're also down on Bama. And I got to tell you, I watched a lot of the Alabama game for no specific reason other than losing money last week. And Milrow might be the truth this year, bro. Like I, I don't know. Like we'll see. I want to see him throw the ball when teams are limiting his legs. This is the same thing with Anthony Richardson last year. Yes, he's a special runner, but when teams reined him in and said, no, you're not going anywhere. You've got to throw the ball. He turned into a pumpkin pretty quick. He had a lot of really, really bad games. So can Texas do that? They've got the athletes to do that. And ultimately, this is the same thing we've been talking about all offseason, Ari. I don't believe in Alabama's weapons. I believe in Texas's weapons. And I believe in what we saw last season. Uh, I believe in Texas getting up for this ball game. I think that matters. I think Texas doesn't play a lot of games that they can des- that they can describe as their Super Bowl very often, and this is one of them. And also, famous last words: Bright Denny's not that tough of a place to play. It's just not. Mm. Wow, it's not wow, that wow, insane. Wow, wow. <laughs> I, I hope not. we get to watch. I hope we get to watch this game together in in Boulder I think on we will. Saturday night. So yes. since we have yeah. a, beef, a beef here, yes. Um, uh, so I, I give me Texas to win outright and Texas to cover here. I. Listen, this is 
I've, I've been on Texas to win this game and drop a stupid game later in the year, probably two stupid games later in the year. I think that's still where we're heading. And, you know, LSU was certainly humbled last week, but I'm, I'm curious if, you know, if we see. But if Alabama does come out here and win convincingly and put up some points, then we've got to reassess what they have altogether. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's going to happen against, uh, against Texas and their defense. And Texas has got better weapons, and I think you'll see that come to fruition <clears throat> in a game that they win and people probably – Go too far on Texas because I don't think they can. They can be. I don't think they can be the Texas team that you're going to see in Tuscaloosa. Twelve weeks out of the season, the chances that if Texas wins, that people go too far on Texas, a road win at Alabama are 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 two thousand percent. If if Texas wins this well, game, then, then then it's, it's, the it's same all thing. Texas. Like, peak Texas that we might see on Saturday is a playoff team. They're a national championship contender, but you got to get there. You got to go beat. Iowa State in November. You've got to go take care of business against a bunch of Big 12 teams that can beat you. And if you don't show up, they will beat you. And so that's that's the issue with Texas. I've never had any questions about peak Texas. This is why when Ari wants to talk about Texas as a playoff team, I agree with them on paper. But I've just seen this Texas team for too long, and I think I have major questions about Sark having never won 10 games before because you got to win more than 10 to get to the playoff. But I think he can win some big games. I think he wins a big one here. Um, Well, you're right about that, Mitch. I'm going to the game. And if Texas wins, my keyboard is going to be on fire uh, after the game. Um, And, of course, we're going to react to it on the podcast right after, too. And I'll be doing the show live from the press box, which I'm excited to do. Um, But I feel like Alabama is going to be or is better than I thought and I am scared but there's no way I could possibly pick them now. Ari, like, are you really going to go this on a based on Middle Tennessee State? Really? I thought that Milro looked very competent. He is what he is. Like you Ari, do you see that laser middle, he threw that 60 yard laser? I did and I okay, also you see saw that it? he's playing Middle Tennessee State. It's like come on. I know, but he, he's got the he's got the cannon. He looks slim. I'm I it's weird because I disagree with you on both fronts and I'm nervous and I don't know which one's going to win out. I disagree with you that Alabama is weak uh, in comparison to what we expect from Alabama because of the lack of offensive weapons. Mm-hmm. Like, or I, I agree with that notion, but if Alabama is the Alabama, that is the death star. Like, I don't know how to feel about this. So I am going to take Texas, uh, especially if you can get seven and a half. I like the two score thing there. Uh, I think that they have a real chance to win and kind of properly introduce themselves to the country as a team that should stop being, you know, ridiculed for, for, you know, not being legit. Uh, and maybe later on they'll go lose to, you know, Texas tech or something. And then we'll have to they reassess will. at that point. But you know, <laughs> if, if Texas wins this game with the schedule ahead of them and they don't make the playoff this year, that is, embarrassing on so many levels that I can't even get into on this podcast right now. So um, we may have to get into it on a future podcast. All right. Yeah. We'll have to get into it now. We're (laughs) not going to, I'm not going to even consider that notion until later on. Um, But yeah, that's uh, it's, it's the game of the week and I am super excited to go uh, experience that. So, okay. Woo. That's I'm nervous though. I will be nervous. I'm going to get people going to throw rocks at me. If Texas gets their ass kicked. 
It's oh, going to well. be quite a podcast, uh, Ari. I'll say that. We're, It'll be funny if they to, lose. Yeah. We're going to have to do some reckoning on Saturday night if that's a, if that's a Bama beatdown. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Next up, Texas A&M on the road, laying four points at Miami. Um, another Texas team going on the road to potentially prove some things to some people that are doubting. So I'm just going to crap all over the state of Texas throughout this entire yeah, do podcast. It. I, yeah, I see some other games down on the on the schedule. Well, one one that's not not in that in that camp. So I'm glad it's not the entire state, but. I, I not only think that um, Miami is going to cover this, I think Miami is going to win this game outright. I'm just, I'm sorry, but I have not, I, I don't buy into the complete turnaround of Texas A&M based off what I saw last week against New Mexico. Maybe it's coming. Uh, I'm, I'm not a believer. So I like Miami to, uh, off coming off of its huge win against Miami of Ohio, of course. You, know, you could say the same thing <clears throat> about Miami that I'm saying about Texas A&M, but um, I think this is a little more low scoring and I think Miami wins the game outright. I think that you need to suspend belief a little bit uh, or continue to buy into some of your notions from before the season into week two when a team is playing another overmatched team. And it's like the overreactions go both ways. It's like, do I think Ohio state stinks right now because they had a tough time with Indiana? No. Do I think that, Texas stinks because they didn't handle rice the way that people thought they should have. No, but I also agree with Dave's sentiment and the idea that if you are a legit team, you, you handle people in a way um, that makes it look easy the way that Notre Dame has. So I think there's a lot to learn, but I'm looking at both of these teams and they've both been fairly dysfunctional in the past. Um, And I know that Miami has some, some key players on defense, I think particular in their secondary, um, but when I look at the Texas A&M defensive line and the depth that they have there and the talent that they've accumulated over the course of that, you know, recruiting barrage the last few years, like that to me is really enticing in an ACC game on the road, especially against a team that has been dysfunctional. I think that Tyler Van Dyke has probably proven to be a better quarterback with the information that we have right now, but I think it's possible that Connor Wegman could be a star. Um, I think that with the weapons that he has around him, uh, that Texas A&M's combination of defensive line and offensive weapons with a functional offense, which again could still happen. It might not, but could still happen. I think there's a chance that Texas A&M doesn't just win the game, but kicks their ass. Um, 
I think that Texas A&M is the play here. I know it's two teams that are just dying to get back to relevancy, but when you can combine the the coach that they brought in to, to lead their offense and Bobby Petrino, the pure talent that they have on the defensive line and the offensive skill position, like do people who listen to this podcast right now, can they name Miami's receivers or running back? Just like if you're just a casual fan, like that's scary to me. So uh, I'm going A&M here. I'm with Yari. I think A&M, I think A&M, I don't know about by double digits, but I think they win this game and, and win it in a way that there's no doubt about who the better team is by the end of this thing. I think A&M last year, beyond all the dysfunction, I liked what we saw in an aggressiveness, a willingness to stretch the field against New Mexico that we haven't seen. You know, I'd have to go into the advanced numbers. I wish I had looked up this before. But I would venture to say that in terms of through the air yards, uh, in attempts over 30 yards, I bet you A&M threw more of those balls against New Mexico than they've thrown maybe in any 27 game under, maybe, maybe in any <laughs> game under Jimbo yet. Uh, you know, Bobby Petrino, his, his calling card is FTS, feed the studs. A&M's got a lot of studs, and I think they're going to feed them, and I think they're going to eat uh, at Miami. Another place that's not the toughest place in the world to play. Uh, Did you I see that Miami's offering a BOGO on their tickets? They're not the only ones. Uh, yes, but A&M's going to offer a, a BOGO on uh, a couple touchdowns, I would I would imagine. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, give me give me the uh, is the world here. ready for a, a, a world where A&M and Texas are good. Like, have we thought about like or considered that because those two fan bases are so funny to me. I watch them yell at each other on on Twitter and their conversation is always about like who has done less. And it's like hilarious. of like you stink because you haven't won this many games and yeah. you st- it's like, what if they start arguing about te- things that they've accomplished, you know, and, and both could happen this year. I think that a and M is more talented and more capable than people give them credit for. And I think that Miami, even though they have done some things to bolster their lines is probably another year or two away. They've headed in the right direction at all. So um, that's recall, my A&M take put on up that. a Put up a 1938 national championship. Uh, insignia on their stadium and caught some flack for it. I have to go look up the details of why that championship was called into question, but I do recall that being a, a talking point. So, but they're not rivals, Ari. That's important to note. Texas and Texas A&M are not rivals. <laughs> yeah, I actually think that, and I've been exposed to the Ohio State Michigan rivalry. Uh, I've been exposed to the Arizona Arizona State rivalry, which isn't in the pantheon of college football rivalries. Right. But I think. <laughs> That the Texas and Texas A and M rivalry is more contentious than all of them. Like in terms of like just hating each other. Like it's I think that nasty. like at least there have been times where Ohio State and Michigan like clearly don't like each other, but like there has been respect on both sides throughout the history of that That's rivalry. Like Texas, Texas like, and Oklahoma I, respect each other, but Texas and Texas yeah, A and M, there's not a just like hate each other. Yeah, and it's just contentious. I I think that. You know, and I don't know if that'll ever, if I'll ever get a Texas fan to agree with me, but I think there is a, uh, a a notion, or I think if you gave them an honest moment, that you could get a Texas fan to say that they hate A and M more than Oklahoma, um, and I think the reason why they refuse to do it is because they don't want Texas A and M to feel important. I think it's like a I think it's like a thing for them where they'll just lie yeah. about it. But I think that the A and M Texas rivalry is just more hateful. That's a great, I think it's a great observation and, and yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch both of these teams this week. And I, I'm, I'm not, I'm a believer in Texas this year. I just don't think they get it done this week. A&M, I, I'm 
it's going to take more. It's going to take even more than than winning at Miami for me to mm-hmm. for, to believe in A and M. They're going to need to start to do some damage in the SEC before I'm I'm I can get last year out of my mind. But that's part what you just said, Mitch, is the reason why I'm taking A and M now because I don't think Miami is a formidable opponent. The way that people yeah. are like, it's like it's a great sexy on paper game, but mm-hmm. if you want to talk about in the same vein, like Texas A and M has to prove it. Like, doesn't Miami? They were awful last year, you know. And if even if you look at their team and you see a team that's like eight and four or you know seven and five, which would have been an improvement from a year ago, um, you have a team that has a lot to prove as well. So I did know, like what we that, saw from TVD and Shannon Dawson last week against yeah. Miami, but and let's see, know, maybe was, maybe TVD will have a better year than he did last year. Um, yeah. Okay, let's start going a little bit quicker. I think we got through the bigger games. Uh, we got to hit the other some, ranked versus ranked to, matchup. Or we skipped it. Okay. Uh, the ranked versus ranked matchup that we skipped was Ole Miss laying seven on the road at Tulane, which, by the way, Sunday got some flack in the voicemails for not talking <laughs> about Tulane. Buddy, Merry Christmas. Tulane, too furious. Let's go. Uh, uh, give me the green wave here, Ari. Big time. Dude, Tulane's a cover machine. They really are. Here's the thing we need to start talking about, Ari, is if you look down the road at Tulane's schedule... I wrote about this like four years ago. And there is a road in which it's a two year plan in which G5 programs flirting with the playoff have to do. And Tulane has already completed the first half of that. If Tulane wins this game, you mean like gain like legitimacy already the year before? You have to legitimize yourself, get a big win in a New Year's six game. And then like Tulane did this year, start the season ranked, which is incredibly hard for G5 teams. Yep. If Tulane wins this game, you have to start using the P word because they're going to start creeping and creeping and creeping. This is ex- I, are you doing this because of the question we got on Sunday? Because you're like no, you're playing the violin in his ears right now. No, but I was looking at Tulane's schedule uh, as we were looking at this game. You know, I, I think Tuesday or Wednesday, and I was like, Tulane doesn't have another game here where if they don't play up to their capability, that they won't win. You know, it's a it's a it's not a great year in their league. So this is huge. I like to lay the points. I don't know that they can get it done, but I have a lot of questions about Ole Miss. Um, you know, defensively, defensively especially. <laughs> I think this is gonna be a high scoring game. Michael well, Pratt the over under is almost seventy, come. so yeah. I think Michael Pratt is as tough as they come, and this is gonna be a game that comes down to the wire and we'll see. But I like Tulane to cover. I just like Tulane to cover because they're a cover machine. Mitch, go ahead. Yeah, I'm just looking at, at this and seeing that Ole Miss is playing, and, and this is not like a game at you know at the Superdome or something. They're playing at Tulane's thirty thousand seat stadium, mm-hmm. and I wonder, mm-hmm. you know, why did why do they go there and do that? But you know, it's a storied storied rivalry in the South. I like Tulane, short and sweet. They're going to win the game, not just not just cover. They're going to win the game. Pratt, as you mentioned, Dave, fourteen was fourteen of fifteen. In the uh, in the season opener against a decent South Alabama team, I think I think the wrong team's favored. Tulane's going to win the game. The wrong at team's Miss, favored at Southern Miss, Nichols State, UAB at Memphis, North Texas, Rice, Eastern East Carolina, Tulsa, FAU, and then UTSA at home. Not exactly a murderer's row. And if they're sitting there at twelve and zero with a win over Ole Miss, we'll see what Ole Miss does the rest of the season. No, That's we can't. Key. We we can't. Uh, uh, overstate what happened in week one, but we are talking about an Ole Miss team that just dropped a 70 burger and Jackson Dart could be a year better. Uh, 
334 yards last week, four touchdowns, and they have one of the best running backs in the country in Quinshawn Judkins. Like, I don't want to undersell Ole Miss here. Like, Ole Miss is going to score a lot. So is Tulane going to also score a lot, I think, is a major thing. I like getting a touchdown spotted to me. I think the over-under at 67 is a indication that Tulane's going to be able to score. I also think they get a little bit of a bonus point for having some of the coolest uniforms in the sport. Yes. I'm on Tulane, too, but also would not be shocked if Ole Miss won by a lot. Like, that, that's on the table. And and the person that asked about Tulane last week, Jack from Atlanta, wanted to say his name. Appreciate your uh, continued support of the podcast, and of course, submitting. We'll talk a, about a them question. when they play yeah. interesting games. We're yeah. not going to talk and, about and, you and let, you. Like, let let, let this South be Alabama. a lesson to you, Jack, and to anybody else who's listening, and anybody who gets mad about us writing about Colorado because I got a lot of flack and comments today about the Colorado column I wrote. We follow what people are interested in. We talk about what people are interested in. We write about what people are interested in. You want people to cover your team? More more uh, discussion minutes on the podcast? Be interesting. Win, and you'll you'll get it. I promise. That's okay. True. Next up, Utah at Baylor. Utah uh, coming off of really, really big win. I guess I don't know what big win, but they beat the crap out that of Florida impressive. week one. It's an impressive win. Big win. And Baylor is coming off of what can't be one of the worst losses in program history, right? Texas State. Liberty was worse, but that was not good. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, Trends continue, guys, or do you think that Baylor is a little bit better than we think they this are? Is after what be, happened this, this is going to be my uh, course correction here. Utah is still compl- like they are. They look like they're in November as banged up as they are. Florida, I think, is knocking on the door being completely incompetent. Looked very poorly coached last week. Baylor, I don't know what that was. I didn't get to see a ton of that game. Um, I'm not sure, you know, how you give up that many points as well. Um, you know, not to lessen what TJ Kinney did, but I think Baylor here writes the ship a little bit uh, and and takes care of business at home. They at least cover against a Utah team that is really banged up and is not as good uh, as they looked <clears throat> against a Florida team that I think is really... Uh, Maybe four and eight. We'll see. Okay, I'm overreacting to week one in this. That did not look like a Dave Aranda defense. A Dave Aranda coach team, but a Dave Aranda defense. Wow. What was that? Um, I, I, um, we're not going to get Cam Rising, or are we going to get Cam Rising in this game? Seems somewhat TBD. Un- uh, it seems like I would, yeah. I would bet against it, but we'll see. It does. It. Does, I don't think early in the week he hadn't been cleared yet for 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 to play. He was back at practice, so um, it didn't seem to matter for Utah. I, I am on Utah in this game, and I uh, I like them to win. I like them to uh, to cover. I'll, I'll I'll play the eight points. Is it seven and a half now? Yeah, seven and yeah. a half. I see. So buy it down to I'm, six and a half yeah. and put the mortgage on it, right? Yeah, I got the use. Absolutely. I just want to say this because I don't think that Kyle Whittingham gets his flowers enough. Is he one of the best coaches in college football? And are his teams coached in that vein? I would say yes. It has to be said on the podcast, even for a, a fleeting moment. And in order to give up 42 points against Texas uh, State, not that they aren't well coached, Texas State that is. Um, and not that things can't go wrong in week one. 
But you have to be somewhat dysfunctional to be in that situation. Do you agree? So we have competent, well-coached team that just beat the crap out of an SEC team, regardless of what you think about their competence, going on the road and playing against a team that is like licking their wounds after an embarrassing loss. Um, I don't know if that is, I just, I'm not going to bet the game, but if I had to pick a side, I think I would go Utah here. All right. Uh, I don't know this list I'm looking at right here, guys. Like my sicko game of the week is on it. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know how that happened. So we'll we'll do that one last and that'll be a good way to, to get into superlatives. Um, here's a good one that we thought would be bigger, but isn't because Texas Tech lost last week to Wyoming. Uh, Oregon on the road, a team that dropped an 80 burger. I don't know how, why do people say burger after big point totals? I never knew that. 81 points going on the road against a Texas Tech team that lost to Wyoming in week one and a Texas team who your very own Dave Ubbin picked to win the Big 12. I would like to, again, reiterate that Wyoming is not a Big 12 conference game, just for the record. Well, uh, I mean, it's just an indication <laughs> of your – we're not saying – No, they didn't want to show that, anything, Ari. You don't want Texas to yeah, see what you're going to do. They didn't want to show anything, yeah. I they know they're probably show not going to contend for the playoffs, so – you know, let Wyoming do their thing and then do their thing. Yeah. The conference Al- play. Is there altitude up there too? I believe oh, yeah. so. I oh yeah. Altitude. It's, it was all altitude. It's higher, it's higher up than, than even Boulder. This is one that I'm going to also, I'm going to also buck week one. Uh, Lubbock. You better. Very tough place to play. Is it going to be as tough if it would have been? That's a good question. But give me Texas not- Tech to, Give me Texas Tech to cover here. Yeah, give me give me Texas Tech to cover here, and give me. Uh, there are just so many good teams going on the road against other capable teams. Especially, there's like a lot of P five on P five violence happening, where teams are going on the road and they're going to be a touchdown. Like a bunch of these teams are going to lose. Oregon might be one of them, but give me Texas Tech here. I think they write the ship. Uh, I, that was a, that was a weird game. You get up seventeen nothing. Do you take the you take your foot off the gas? It was weird. I, I watched the, the the about halfway through the third quarter to the rest of it, and it looked like Texas Tech was just on their heels. And I think when that happens, it's tough to flip the the momentum of a game. And when you when you blow a lead like that, there's a there's a panic button. And it looked like Texas Tech was hitting every panic button they could find, and it just looked like Wyoming was the more uh, composed competent team but texas tech writes this i still have a lot of faith in joy mcguire they cover here they flirt with winning i might sprinkle a little bit on the outright here so here's a a lesson to take from texas tech's decision to play the game at wyoming in week one that was a bad idea that's a really tough assignment for the red raiders to go into laramie and try to get that thing to work and i think you can apply that to this game, because what is Oregon doing playing at in Lubbock? I realize it's, you know, it's a series, it's two power five teams, but they're going to be ducks out of water on (laughs) Saturday night, night game. Lubbock Lubbock. at night is no joke. Yeah, it's not, it's, it's a hard place to, to get into. I'm sure they'll charter a plane, fly into Lubbock. It's a hard place for people like us to get into. I, like Oregon to win, but I like tech to cover. You know, it's crazy. Uh, Oregon has one of the most fun quarterbacks in the country to watch. 
uh, and they have two, I think, top 50 players at receiver uh, between Gary Bryant Jr., who transferred from USC, and and then, of course, Troy Franklin, who was the apple of everyone's eye during his recruitment, and they were just, like, letting it rip last week. And I am on high alert for whether or not Oregon is just going to turn into, like, some of those fun Oregon teams that just scored in bunches, like, five, seven years ago, um, and just we're just one of the more fun teams to watch this year. I am with you guys that this is a tough game to go on the road for. Um, I think that Texas tech is certainly better than what they displayed last week. I don't know what happened up there again. It's the altitude. Um, I like Texas tech in this game, but this could be a good opportunity for Oregon to kind of also say, Hey, you know, we're, we're really good this year. And like the Pac 12, there's no shortage of that in that conference this year. And, and I'm all for, and you know, I don't know why because of the bet with Andy, but I'm all for every challenger that rises up. You got Washington now who's maybe got one of the most fun offenses in the country. You've got uh, Oregon who might be able to kind of show that they're in that same vein. Like if we have all that and the second half of the Pac-12 season is just going to be awesome. I can't wait. If Oregon covers this, we'll have to sit up and take notice because that's not easy. okay. Let's just do two quick ones. We don't need all the analysis. Wisconsin. Uh, minus six at Washington uh, State, and that's another Pac-12 game. But another Wisconsin, weird one. another weird one. Mitch, yeah, n- night game in Pullman. Uh, Wisconsin just barely gets out of there. They win the game, but um, Washington State. Um, I'll take them with the points. Give me the Cougs. Also, I like. I would put a little sprinkle on the money line here. Just all the man, this is a crazy week. Like, we aren't even covering all the games where you have, like, you know, a touchdown spread of a team going on the road to a very, very capable team. So, I like that. Have you laid points possibly. once this entire episode? Uh, Notre Dame. Okay, just making sure. Texas I didn't know. A&M. Notre Dame and Texas okay. AM, for the record. Okay, because I, I knew I had. Ari, you're killing me. Colorado, okay, Notre yeah, Dame, you and did, Texas you did, you did. You're, I just like you feel like you're just on the dogs this week for some reason. I, I, um, I, I like a lot of the dogs. Home dogs, Ari. Home dogs home this early dogs. in the season. Home you dogs in the NFL, I think, are more are more dangerous. But yes. I, you know, there's a lot. Cam Ward is one of the best players in the country, I think, uh, or at least most fun to watch. And then Ches Malusi, of course, the running back at Wisconsin, mm-hmm. who I think rushed for 160 yards last week. You know, yeah, everybody thinks I think that Wisconsin like is, you know. Well. Yeah, Wisconsin is just going to go five wide and like throw the ball over the field. And, you know, they might, but they still run the ball really, really well. And I think that's kind of a kryptonite situation for Washington State. I like Wisconsin on the road. Uh, One of these road favors is going to win. I'm going to choose to attach my boat to Wisconsin. And then, of course, Auburn minus six and a half at Cal is the last one before we get into the sickos uh, games of the week. Um, Are we believing at all that Auburn is just going to be a fun, tough out this year? It's a tough pick. I'm gonna stick with uh, Auburn here. I, talent wins out. Ari, I'm gonna go with stars mattering here, and Auburn is a. I need to look at the composite gap here, but Auburn more talented than Cal, and they have a coach who can actually use it now. High scoring ball game in that one. We'll get more to my lock of the week, but Auburn, Mitch. Isn't it funny that like all these Big Ten quarterbacks are just all over the place right now? It's like Peyton Thorne is Auburn's quarterback. And it's just like I I always I remember it, but then I forget it, and then I remember it again every time I look at them. And it's like Peyton Thorne, uh, they scored 59 points last week, and he threw for 140 something yards. 
Like, how does that, like, what? I didn't watch the game. I just don't even know how that happens. Like, I'm going to go look at the, the scoring. I mean, and by the way, very good UMass team that they beat last week. Just mm, former Michigan State quarterback. Good, you? Okay. you know, Rocky Lombardi. I'm going to see Rocky Lombardi in a couple of weeks coming into this. this yep, at Northern Illinois? Nice facility that I'm in right now. Yes, he is the quarterback at Northern Illinois. So, you're right. There's a lot of... um there's a lot of Big Ten quarterbacks all over the place. I, I had to do a little research for this game, and and I knew Cal won because everyone in the Pac-12 won. But I had to kind of check out Cal a bit, and I discovered 58 that fifty-eight points. Yeah, I mean they 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 right. The offense is clicking. They Cal is having a gold out for this game, so I wonder what that means. Does that mean that people are actually going to come to the game dressed in gold, or are they just going to paint the stadium gold? How does that work in Berkeley? I think everybody just wears a gold Rolex. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. It's ready very to buy. expensive to live up there. By the way, not if you didn't know that, Cal. not ready to buy Cal. So give me. You're give not me buying Auburn. stock in Jake Spavital. Uh-uh. Give me Auburn, and I'll I'll lay the points. Spav, by the way, went from uh, uh, Nagadoches to Berkeley. That's that's quite a jump. <laughs> yeah. Talk about. Yeah, it would be funny to like list like most. I tried to do that with recruiting, like most uh, intense environment changes, like moving from place well, X this to is place why, X. This is why I was sad that the Pac-16 never happened, because the idea of Cal fans and Stanford fans showing up in Lubbock amused me to but know. Mitch, we were, we were actually talking about this. I can't remember the kid's name. You'll know. The kid that went from Hawaii to Lincoln. That was on my list of like players who went from from one environment to another. And it's like, I can't think of a more stark difference between like Maui and Lincoln. Well, is there, there's, a is there another of, one? there's been a number of them that have come as. Yeah. Recruit. Are we talking about are you talking about the portal here? Didn't there didn't, been, a, there a, didn't Nebraska sign a linebacker who was a top 100 yes. player from Hawaii a few years ago? Yeah. Nebraska signed a bunch of players from Hawaii. You know, hey, that's, yeah. where, that's that's how the whole Riola connection to Hawaii began. Yeah. Nebraska actually so maybe has a an bad offensive one. lineman from Hawaii, uh, Ben Scott, the, the starting center, who was a transfer from Arizona State. He's he is from yeah. from Hawaii, yes. And there's a commit on the Nebraska list. I know yeah. you wanted to know this from Hawaii. I did. Yeah. In the, the twenty four class, is there has there been any South Florida kids who went to play school at Washington State or at <laughs> Wyoming? Like I'm just trying to think like geographically, like the most. I mean, I guess like there are people like from American Samoa that come in and play, uh, but. I just think that it's a fascinating thought of like my wife is from Las Vegas and grew up in Las Vegas and she went to Texas A&M sight unseen. And I like think that's the most like one of the funniest things I've ever heard in my life. And I like to like think of like I just wish I could just see her on her first day at A&M trying to trying to figure out how it worked out for her. Okay, superlative time. And I can't pronounce that word. So just bear with me throughout the year. It's superlative, Ari. Superlative. Superlatives of the week. Um. One of the games on our 10 that we're picking as a sickos game of the week is mine. Like Virginia Tech at Purdue. Like if you're watching that game, you either have a bunch of money on it or you're a sicko, right? Like, I mean, am I, am I nuts here, guys? I just, I need to see a pulse in Virginia Tech. I, I know Purdue, I, I think Fresno's pretty good. You know, I, I, I like Purdue in that ball game, but but I I don't think it's that bad, Ari. You're not a, you're not a Graham Harrell lover over there. Yeah, I don't know. I just both teams just Virginia Tech isn't very good, and yes. Purdue already lost. It's just like 
What are you Fresno's watching? Fresno's good for? though. Come on. No, man. I know, but it's just like I don't know. I maybe maybe it's a bad pick. Let's get to your 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 sicko game of the week, David. I'm gonna go, which is gonna, an interesting game. I hope we can all kneel around the bushel of corn for the Cyhawk Classic once again. Iowa and Iowa State. How could you possibly say that a rivalry game is the Masicos game of the week? Because I don't think that they made top 30 points in this game, Ari. And that's why. That's what people said last year. What was the score? Uh, Well, I believe you have a couple guys get suspended for betting on that game, which will be part of the reason why this year's game will be. uh, And lost, by the way. And lost. No, they bet the under and it hit by like a point or something like that. Oh, I thought there was another one that they they bet on and lost and got suspended (laughs) for. No, I think most of them. There were at least a couple that bet on the under. So I, I like the under uh, 36 and a half year. I think Iowa has a legitimately good defense. I think Iowa State has an okay defense and not a good offense. And they will combine for a 17-13 Sickos Fest. Uh, Tory Taylor, make sure you're stretched out pregame, buddy, because it's going to be a busy day for you, my guy. Mitch, what's your uh, Sicko game of the week? So I'm going with the the um, the Bill Self Classic, uh, oh, Illinois yes. at Kansas. Illinois tried to lose to Toledo last week. Kansas, you know, we're still getting used to uh, Kansas being a, a bowl team, and and I think Kansas is probably a bowl team again this year. But something about this game appeals to um, the, the the disgusting side of of watching college football for me. I, I think it's 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 a good competitive game. But it's being played at Kansas's Memorial Stadium, which, if you've been there, you know is is um, you know it, you, you, it's an acquired taste. Not a to, not uh, imposing, but a nice view when the leaves turn. It is. It's a beautiful campus, and it's fun to it walk is. around. Um, it's one of those games you look at, and and I feel like Brett Bielema and his team going in there, like it's a that's a it's it's somewhat fitting. This it, it could be kind of ugly. Um, on both sides of the ball, neither one of these teams are, are are necessarily all that flashy. Although, hey, maybe the new Kansas—that's they're 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 gonna they put up some points against Missouri State last week. But this is uh, like this is my pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, this is my pick. Um, I'm sticking with it. Um, not super impressed with Illinois um, a week ago, and the Illini are, were my dark horse. Probably still are my dark my dark horse pick to win the Big Ten West, but. Um, is that what you took away from the Illinois game? I thought the T- Toledo game. Like, isn't Toledo the best team in the MAC? Uh, I'm not trying to. Probably, I'm not trying to. Simply, like, Toledo's a good team this year. Toledo's and good. And the fact that they were able to, like, Luke Altmyer stepped in and made that big throw at the end of the game last week. Um, I'm, I'm I'm assuming that Illinois probably should have won. But like, I'm with you on the idea that like Illinois might be sneaky, kind of good again. Yeah, mm-hmm. I guess. Uh, I, I guess. And Kansas my, is sneaky, kind of good. Yeah, my expectation for Illinois was that it wouldn't have trouble in that game, and maybe okay. I'm maybe it's a disservice. I'm doing a disservice to Toledo, and I just look at Toledo as a MAC team, and you know, every once in a while there is a team from the MAC that steps up and and can compete with compete with everyone in the Big Ten West, not just Illinois, um, but you know, the champion from the Big Ten West in, in any given year would have trouble probably with one MAC team, and and yeah. maybe that's maybe that's Toledo in in this season. I. I I can't say that I saw a lot of that game. A few minutes, saw the end, and I didn't feel like Illinois should have been in that position. But absolutely, credit to those guys for for pulling that out. And it, it tells you something about Bielema here in year three and and the the what he's built there. I, I don't, Illinois doesn't win that game in most years for Illinois, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. Th- but but he's 
clearly instilled something. And in that game, it was a, it, it was, it was, um, you know, a win, even if it's ugly. And I think there could be some ugliness in play when the Illini go to uh, Lawrence this weekend. How have those two schools never been in the same conference? That seems impossible. I think it's actually, I'm really looking forward to watching the game. Um, so I guess I'm a sicko. Um, okay. Let's do trap game of the week. Uh, I'll just go quickly. Uh, Colorado home opener. Yeah. Uh, feeling real good about themselves. Everybody thinks they're awesome. Mm-hmm. I, that's my trap game of the week, man. I think that they are, I think there's a really good chance they lose that game. Uh, we, we've, we've hit on Ole Miss. Ole Miss, be careful. But I'm going to go mm-hmm. on a, I'm going to go on a, uh, a BCS buster uh, special here. The now Big 12 member UCF scored at will last week, embarrassed a depleted Kent State team, going to Boise, who got pants by Washington. Be careful. That's another one of the week one overreaction games. Oh, UCF, they can't be stopped. They're going to score 60 against everybody. Oh, Boise's overrated. Taylor Green is not legit. Be careful, UCF. That's a trap game. Yeah. Ari, I agree with you on on Colorado, and I'll go in a different direction um, in a game that I feel similarly about with the week one overreactions. And we talked about this one earlier, so I'll keep this quick. But uh, Oregon at Texas Tech, I think that's a trap. I think the tendency there and where where the, the the books are trying to get the money is on Oregon in that game. It's it's they're they're teasing you with that six and a half. So I like Tech. I think there's a chance Tech wins this one outright. Um, but I certainly like the Red Raiders to cover. There's one earlier. thing that we've learned in college football is that just because you saw something last Saturday doesn't yeah. mean that's going to be the same thing next Saturday. This is uh, this things- is my the, the thing we forget every off season, and then I have to remind people every year is these are a team full of 118 to 20, 20, 22 year olds. Their value is not static from week to week, and I, people forget mm-hmm. that every year. Like their value is not static every week. There's I wanted to ask you, Dave, do I get do I get a uh, credit for my trap game last week of Michigan State Central Michigan or did it just turn into too big of a blowout? Like the fact that it was only a three point game at halftime. Does that count? No, no. OK, crap. All right. Well, I'm just <laughs> trying to trying to lock in something. OK, so locks of the week. Bets that we lock feel most week. proud of. It doesn't or most. Uh, most bought in on and it doesn't have to be from the 10 that we discussed. Do you guys have a play that you really, really like? Yes, we talked about the game earlier. Jake Spavital, Philip, Mon- <clears throat> Philip Montgomery, you Hugh good? Freeze, Auburn Cal over 54 and a half. Uh, these two teams, I think, will fill it up. Justin Wilcox certainly has had a defensive reputation, but again, Auburn scores enough to cover here, but Cal put some points on the board too. Yeah, I'm going out west Saturday night. The Coliseum, Stanford goes into USC as a 30-point underdog. That's too much with that USC defense. Stanford's probably not great, but it did beat Hawaii in week one. Hawaii, I think, is okay this year, certainly better than last year. So USC obviously wins the game. Not going to win by 30 points. I I really, really, really like A&M this week. Like, I really I want to be with Yari. I just I I need to see more risk, from them. I don't. And I know it's a lock, but it's college football. I don't know if it's a lock of the week, but I am stepping my foot right into the bear trap. So that's that. Um, minute six. I think we did pretty good for uh, 
you know, a pick show. Usually they go into the, the hour and a half range because I don't know how to pace a podcast. But thanks so much. Uh, and thank you all for listening to the latest edition of Until Saturday. Please follow uh, wherever you listen to your podcast, Apple, Spotify. Leave a thumbs up and hit the subscribe button on YouTube. Um, all the links to the non-podcast feed things, the newsletter, the YouTube, all that stuff's in the show's description. Leave a five-star review, ask questions. And, of course, don't forget to leave voicemails for Sunday Sound Off, whether it's before the games or after on Saturday. That phone number two times here is 316-462-9852. Again, 316-462-9852. And, of course, lastly, I forgot to mention this, and I want to mention it. The second episode of the official visit Max Olson and I did uh, on YouTube, the little mini-series of visiting campuses, uh, was released on Thursday. If you're kind of into checking out campuses and where to eat and where to drink on these places, I strongly suggest it. I think it's going to be an awesome Saturday. I'm super excited to get more context, super excited to go to Tuscaloosa, super excited to do the post-game podcast with you. Maybe, Mitch, you can join us too because you guys are going to be in the same stadium. I don't know if you'll be home by then. Um, Either way, it's going to be great. And then, of course, on Sunday, where your voicemails are played and your support is shown, Sunday sound off. I will find a hotel room somewhere. We will knock that out. Thank you so much. That was until Sunday. Bring back the turnover chain. 